This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, Good morning, Woodland Hills Family Church. To all of our guests, we're glad you're here. Welcome to this special day as we honor our uh, graduates. We're glad that you're here. All of those I saw out in the courtyard, over at the gathering place, and in the chapel, welcome. To all of our church at home family, welcome. We're glad that you are tuning in. As part of our worship, we take an offering at our church. And... We are grateful for your generosity, and it goes to support the ministries here, families, individuals here uh, in our church, as well as those in southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas that we uh, seek to reach, and then taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're grateful. Uh, There's four ways that you can give. Offering boxes located in the back. You can hit the Church Center app, the Give Online Now button, or text any amount to 84321. And we encourage that generosity. We're going to do two parts of a series, a quick series before we jump into summer. A lot of great friends returning to Woodland Hills this summer. Clay Scroggins will be here, Renee Schlepfer, Alex Hamaya, the pastor of Woodland Hills West. Uh, (laughs) He leads our West Campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, dear friend, these are all great friends of ours as well as the teaching team. So we're looking forward to summer. But... Uh, this, this series that we're jumping into, First Comes Love, this week we're talking about Then Come In-Laws. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the relationship that's changing. So as you leave home, we want to talk about how to leave home well without getting parents too emotional. Uh, today, I'm going to walk through something that can help with the tears in just a second. Uh, but we're talking to how does a relationship form from your family of origin, right? Because you are going to bring your family of origin into your marriage. You're marrying someone with a different family of origin. Lots of baggage. You could say first comes love, then comes baggage. But Amy wouldn't let me refer to us as baggage. Uh, She said we are in laws. Uh, My daughter gets married two weeks from Tuesday, and we're doing a simple backyard wedding. I'd like to explain to you what a simple backyard wedding looks like and the cost of a simple backyard wedding. There's a reason you rent wedding venues rather than build them in your backyard. And so we started with a pergola that is now a cathedral. And after May 31st, I'm going to be renting it out in Branson if you'd like to get married in our backyard. $30,000 is where the price starts. Uh, I'll do it for free. I'll officiate for free, but to rent... To rent the cathedral, it's 30. But we just, Amy said, you got to offer a friends and family discount for Woodland Hills family, and so we are. It'll be 25000 for you if you would like to get married back there. So I've got all the feels. Today we're talking about the influence and relationship that I want as a parent when my children leave home, mom and dad. I want to maintain a relationship with my children that makes sure that I'm also a parent of influence. I want to leverage my influence. I don't want to squander my influence the older I get. And so I want to, I want to let my kids leave home well. We're going to talk about that today. We often talk about this verse, Genesis 2.24, with, in, in context of marriage. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. But we're really looking at father and mother, your family of origin, and how to leave 
We've covered Genesis 2.24 a lot in our marriage ministry here at Woodland Hills. Uh, the first part of this verse is a parenting verse, right? A reason a man, not a child, not an adolescent. We're not going to talk about prolonged adolescence today, but it is the job of mom and dad to make sure our children leave home as adults, not on a journey to become one. And how do we do that? We talk about that a lot. But today we're focusing on the leave part. What does the leave look like? And then we want to talk about the family of origin. And I work with a lot of couples who are struggling with the second half of this verse, trying to become one flesh, being united to one another. But this process hasn't been done well. They haven't left home well. They haven't completely left home. And and the enmeshed family that they find themselves in is preventing them from having a thriving marriage. And so whether you're married or not, this message is about for you and I to think through all the messages written on our hearts that were placed there by our parents, father and mother, an extended family. You will leave your father and mother, be united to your wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, all of us in here, when you leave home, and you guys, you're, you're, you've got a couple of suitcases now, maybe a couple of boxes, you're packing. And I, I've been trying to figure out, okay, so there are going to be some tears when there are tears at graduation. There are going to be some tears when you get dropped off at college or wherever you go. I, I'm like, I, I'm officiating my daughter's wedding. And you're like, oh, you'll never be able to do that. Oh, I got a plan. I'm going to do it tear-free. There won't be one tear. You're like, oh, pfft. No, I got, you know what I've done? I've created a playlist that has every sad country song about children leaving home. You're going to miss this by Trace Atkins. Uh, a one, what my daughter and I are trying to find our song that we're going to dance to in two weeks. And, and I said, well, let me play you this one. She had never heard the song Butterfly Kisses by Bob Carlyle. And we're playing it on the way back from Springfield yesterday. And I look back and she's looking out the window you know, like this and turns and she's pretty emotional. And I go, what about that one? And she's like, that's a no can do. We ain't doing that one (laughs) at the wedding. Stealing Cinderella. Man, we got a lot of great country songs about this moment. And so I've made this playlist and I listen to it all day long. All my tears will be gone by May 31st. So parents, I just want to encourage you, before you get to college or before you drop your kid off at their first place, I just make yourself a sad playlist. <laughs> Listen to that. Watch videos of puppies. I mean, do whatever you got to do to get all the feels out. Because I've been packing a suitcase my whole life. My parents helped me pack this. And I got boxes. Now, some boxes are pretty heavy. The baggage we bring into marriage can be pretty heavy. I want to talk a little bit today about some of the light baggage And I just want to encourage you, husband and wife, or as you form relationships, when the baggage is light, lighten up. But you you were handed this. Let me tell you how your family of of origin influences you a lot of different ways. It influences the way you worship, how you vote. I had a couple tell me a couple of weeks ago that, hey, it's great. We don't even go to the polling booth anymore because we cancel each other out. I'm like, I don't think that's what the founding fathers, you know, meant. I, I think you should still get up, get dressed, go and cast your vote. How you spend and save. Some of you grew up in a home that taught savings was money you put away for a rainy day. Others of you grew up in a home that taught savings was the difference between the actual price and the sale price. How you drive. Some of you grew up in a home that taught signs were laws to be followed. You break one, you go to jail, you get a ticket. Others of you grew up in a home that taught signs were suggestions for other people. 
I married Amy, and Amy taught me how to cut people off in traffic. She's like, just, just keep your eyes down. Don't look at them when you do it. Just get right past them. You watched your father and mother fight, and you learned how to fight and reconcile or not. That comes to you from your family of origin. How to clean. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, the, uh, I'm going to tell you one mother-in-law joke. It's low-hanging fruit. I didn't want to tell you this joke. I didn't. I, I refused to do it, but Rex, one of our care pastors, says you have to do it. So this is on him. I didn't want to bring this up here because I, it, it's kind of offensive, but no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You want it? Okay, here it is. Okay, so yeah. The, uh, he said, the wife said to her mother-in-law, stop telling me how to raise my children while I'm still raising one of yours. I didn't want that for you. Rex will be down front here with the prayer team afterwards if you want to talk to him. But some of you, you're seeing that, the clean, the joke. How you celebrate the holidays, that's part of the influence from your family of origin. Some of you grew up in a home that decorated for Christmas on a commercial break with a three-foot pre-decorated tree with a garbage bag over it. Others of you grew up in the White House. You had a tree in every room, garland over every door. And, and the, I mean, we could do this all day, but we don't. I just want to, we're, we're starting and ending with influence today and how important it is to maintain a great relationship with our adult children so that we can maintain influence and influence over the most important thing. But it also affects the way you load the dishwasher. Now, I'm not saying my way is the only way to load a dishwasher, but it is the manufacturer's recommended loading instructions. We'll sit at the dinner table and Corinne will be like, hey, why is there stuff on my fork? And, like, it's, it, and I think the dishwasher's broke. The dishwasher's not broke. You can't put 15 utensils together upside down in that little hole and expect them to get clean. Now, I'm sorry, I just... Half of my sermons are working things out. Can I get an amen on that? We're all just working things out. But let me tell you, it, you brought a lot of stuff. We could do a suitcase all day... But I tell you, I want to show you this. Look at this. Target, for like 12 bucks, I think has decreased the divorce rate by 20%. But make some noise if you think this is the proper way to install the toilet paper. Yes. Make some noise if you think this is the proper way. Wrong. But there's somebody worse than that. You want to know who's worse than that? I'll tell you who's worse than that. Oh, this person fires me up right here. Somebody needs to call you out right now. You left a half a sheet of toilet paper on there so you could say it wasn't empty. You yourself used an ample 12 to 15 squares. And did that, but there's somebody worse than this. You know who's worse than this? Look at this. This person's way worse. You know what? You're lazy. That's what you are. You're lazy. Make some noise if you think this is proper toothpaste dispensing right here. And then you married this person right here. 
There's somebody worse than this. Some of you married this person right here. Yeah. What kind of animal refuses to use the cap? Some of you, this brings just great joy to your soul right here. And you married... Comedian Jeff Allen said, my wife likes to confront me with this stuff with questions. I'll walk into the bedroom and she'll be like, hey, is this your underwear on the floor? And he's like, I hope so. If not, I'm going to have some questions of my own around here. Dennis Lloyd Freetag, where are you? Are you sitting in this service? There's my father-in-law right there. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law. Oh, I'm coming at you right now, Dennis Lloyd Freetag. You know what I'm going to talk about, don't you? My wife and I processed time very differently when we got married. And uh, my family kind of lived by this thing. If you were five minutes early, you were late. That's not what my father-in-law believes. Right, Denny? I I didn't ask permission to do this, so here we go. I'll remember. That's kind of a funny story. So we got married in October. We were back in Fremont, Nebraska uh, in December. So two months after we're married, we were at their house, and we decided to go to a movie that night. You're going to remember the line. You may not. This is 25 years ago. But we decided to go to a 7 o'clock movie. We're all in the family room in Fremont, Nebraska. I look at my watch. It's a quarter to 7. No one's got shoes on. There are no coats. Like, we're not moving toward the door. And I, I, I ask, hey, did we decide not to go to that movie? Oh, no, yeah, we got time. We got time. How far away is the movie theater? About 10 minutes. About 10 minutes. We're sitting here like we're going to miss the previews. And then I heard this come from my wife. Oh, the previews are no big deal. Oh, no big deal. No. No, that's, that's my favorite part. How do you know what next movie you should go to if you're not there for the previews? She goes, and then if you miss the first couple minutes of the movie, that's no big deal. <laughs> what? Have you not? There, I can name ten movies that if you miss the first minute, you're lost the whole movie. We get there. I will never forget Danny Freetag saying this. We got there about two minutes to seven. And he looked at his watch. He knew at that point we were having some jokes at the time. He looks at his watch and he goes, we're two minutes early. Should we just circle the parking lot a couple times before we... <laughs> Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth, Dennis. Yes, all right. This baggage is light, and here's a term that will help you thrive in marriage. Whether it's toothpaste, toilet paper, towels, or time, the answer is NBD. No big deal. And some of you are going, (laughs) BBD. Very big deal. No, a different way is not the wrong way. You have a different way of doing something. And I hear this from couples all the time. I married the wrong person. No, you didn't marry the wrong person. You married someone who has thousands and thousands and thousands of messages written on their heart. And a lot of them are way different than the messages written on yours. And every message written on their heart has a story behind it. And this is what makes marriage fun. This is why when you're dating and engaged, there is no way you can unpack everything. 
This is why you enter into a covenant relationship where you sign a document saying, I'm going to learn about this person until I'm dead. Because I married a different person, not the wrong person. And I now get to spend my days learning all of this. Our culture does not get this all right with compatibility. With compatibility, they think it's something you find. You find a perfect personality match, and off to the races we go, and it's just going to be happily ever after. And the Hebrew for that is, ha! I'm 25 years married, and there are still things I'm finding in boxes and bags. See, compatibility, this is what I love about compatibility, from a biblical definition of two becoming one. Okay, It's something you make over time. It takes time to unpack all of this and to learn about each other. You will never find it, test for it online, or stumble into it. Nope. It does not require a perfect personality match. It's a process and a willingness to live in curiosity and fascination with one another as you navigate each new season and stage of life. And the seasons and stages of life change us. We're always learning about one another. So how do you leave? Because this, I just want to remind us, this influence coming into our home from our family of origin, it's just that. It's an influence, but it shouldn't define who you are as a couple. You do that. So maybe you've heard the expression, you marry the family. Not true. You exchange vows and rings with your spouse, not the family. So how do we leave home well in order to thrive in work relationships down the road? Well, first, and this is what the word leave is actually referring to. There's a lot of ways we leave. We leave home physically, so we get that. We pack physical, literal boxes and bags, and we move out. But you also leave home relationally. Meaning there, and, and I just want parents to hear this today because there, there's a mother-in-law in here right now going, I hate everything about this message and where it's headed. You don't lose your relationship with your kids, but your relationship most definitely changes. And this week we want to talk about that. And next week we even want to even talk more to grandparents and parents of adult children. We're going to talk about first comes love, then comes the empty nest. Some people, when they get to the empty nest, they squander all of their influence with their children and their grandchildren by making terrible decisions and drifting in their faith. And we want to talk about that. But the relationship you have with your child when they leave home, it changes. And we want to talk about how to do that well in just a second. Emotionally, the strings aren't, that's why we use the term cut the strings. The strings aren't the same, right? So we cut the strings. Praise our Father in heaven for that you leave financially. And this, I, this, Pergola we're building, <laughs> cathedral in the backyard. This is her gift for the next 10 years. <laughs> and if necessary, geographically. And some of you moved far away from home. It's not required. But some of you found that the bond, the, the uniting husband and wife was a little bit easier because you didn't live next door. But let me tell you what leaving home is not. Okay, we, we get this from Scripture. We're called to honor our father and mother. Leaving home does not sever all ties with extended family, but it does change relationships. So let's talk about that just with a few very practical ways. Number one, prioritize your spouse over your parent. This means that after a good day or a bad day, your parent is not your first phone call. Your spouse is your first phone call. I did premarital counseling for a couple years ago, and mom came up to me and said, at the wedding rehearsal, how, 
how dare you tell my son to stop loving his mother? And I'm like, well, see, here's part of the problem. That you know what went on in premarital counseling? <laughs> You're part of the problem. I never told your son to stop loving you. I said he needs to stop calling you every day. He needs to stop calling you multiple times a day, and he needs to make sure that his spouse, his new wife, is his first phone call after a good day or a bad day. He needs to prioritize her over you. Never compare your spouse to a parent. Oh, I got all sorts of stories after the first service about people going, man, I wish I would have heard that in the first month of marriage. Where's Joe? Is Joe in here? Joe just came up to me because he did this. Like, he said his wife brought him meatloaf. She didn't grow up eating meatloaf, but some of you desire to do that. Make the meal that your spouse grew up with and brought him meatloaf. And he's like, well, actually the way my mom... Don't judge Joe. He's learned. He's grown. But, but she... I don't know if I'm even allowed to share this, but we'll just keep it on the internet, what I'm about to tell you right here. And she goes, well, has your mom ever done this? And took it and tossed it in the trash. I thought, okay, that's a good way. That's, that's why you never compare your spouse to a parent. But also on the flip side of this, you never look at a parent or at a spouse and say, you're acting just like your mother. You're acting just like your father. Now, have you ever been at your in-law's house and had an aha moment? Where like your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, they say or do something and you're like, huh. That's why she says that. That's why he does that. You're picking that up. Here's a big one. This gets a lot of couples in trouble. Do not allow extended family members to make decisions for your marriage. How you celebrate the holidays is up to you and your spouse. It's not up to your parents. If you want to be home and wake up in your house on Christmas Day, guess what? You're an adult. You get to make that decision. Now, right now is when I I teach this, you know, in different parts of the country, in different cultures. And I'm not going to name them. There are some cultures that really push back on this message saying, Mama's always in charge until she draws her last breath. The matriarch is always in charge. And I'm like, what we're talking about in Genesis 2.24 and that Jesus repeats in Matthew 19 and Paul repeats in Ephesians 5, it's a foundational marriage teaching of the scripture and it transcends all cultures. You have to leave your father and mother and 85-year-old grandma doesn't call all the shots for you, your marriage, and your children. And it's going to make people mad. I had somebody post online after I was at a church a couple weeks ago, you're tearing families apart with this message. And I I didn't, oh, but I wanted to. (laughs) I had it typed out, no, you are. Because I end up counseling your children. And and they're wanting to move on in life, and they want a good relationship with you, but you're not in church. So this is is when you start making the decisions, people are going to get frustrated with you. Feelings could get hurt. So when that happens, do not take personal responsibility for a parent's feelings, words, and actions. You are 100% responsible for your feelings, words, and actions. Your spouse is 100% responsible for their feelings, words, and actions. And your parent is 100% responsible for their feelings, words, and actions. And this last one. This is a tough one. Stop obeying, but never stop honoring your parents. That's a tough one. 
I'm called to honor and care for my parents until the Lord calls them home. I'm called to that. But I, they, I don't obey them and take their, their request. And, and obviously, I try to fulfill them, and that can be part of honoring. I'm, I, and I share all this because I'm grateful. Amy and I, we do not have controlling parents. I, I look at Denny and Linda there. You were like... Right, I remember it was like, "Hey, take her, Ted. This is fantastic. This is great. We're done." Denny wanted to fish a little bit, and so raising kids was a lot of work. Anyway, so it was a little. And my parents weren't controlling either. And some of you are dealing with that. So how can we help with that? If 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 these boundaries, is really all that we just talked about are boundaries that you're establishing, you know, aren't established, aren't followed, you end up with an, an enmeshed family. And there's three ways families are enmeshed, like too close, and the leaving hasn't properly taken place. The first one is there are just no boundaries, none of this. What mama says go, what daddy says goes, we obey, we follow them, we allow them to make decisions for how we do vacations and how we do holidays, so there's just no boundaries at all. Some of you are like, well, we do have boundaries, but we've never clearly communicated them. Boundaries are just unclear. They're there, but they're loose. And we don't discuss them. We'll get in the car after family gatherings and be like, you need to tell your mother. You need to have a conversation with your dad. In those moments, those are the, yeah, you have boundaries. There are a way you want to see your marriage move forward, but you just haven't stated them clearly. Can I just encourage young people? The earlier, the better. Have the conversation. That's why I include all of this in, in wedding ceremonies the best I can because I, I really want couples to start off well and maintain a great relationship. And I want mom and dad, grandma and grandpa to have great relationships that are able to leverage influence in the life of their children long after their kids leave home. But some of you, boundaries are established. They've been clearly communicated but not followed. And that's some of you in here. That's some parents in here right now with adult children. You keep stepping over the boundaries. And can I just encourage you with a few things we share often in this church? Parenting is for a season, but being a parent is for a lifetime. Well, this is tough. This is tough. I, I, I have a daughter getting married, a son turning 17 next month. And, and my parenting season is at an end. But I'm going to be their parent for a lifetime the relationship looks different, and I want to do everything we're talking about today so well. I had moments this week where I'm like, man, I'm going to be an awesome father-in-law. <laughs> but then I'm like, pride cometh before the fall. So we're preaching to ourselves today. I, but what does it mean to be a parent for a lifetime? It means I have influence, and I want to maintain influence in the life of our children. something we say around here all the time. This parenting for a lifetime. Parenting is a journey from control to influence. With every year of your child's life, you're losing control. But hopefully you're replacing it with influence. And if you want influence in the life of your child, guess what? You've got to give up control. I see it all the time with parents and grandparents. They have very little influence in the life of their children and grandchildren because they're too controlling. They're too controlling. Uh, you know, my son turned 17. He's been talking about his senior year and trips we're doing and games we're going to go to. And, and every time he brings this up, I just have these moments, and your parents have had these moments. He's like, Dad, when I graduate, my buddies and I, so they'll be 18, like freshly 18, we're all going to get in the car, we're going to go take a big trip somewhere and probably go to Florida. 
Like, oh, really? You're all going to drive? Just all of you together? Like, who, who's driving? Uh, and you're going to pile in a car? And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, most parents say what? No. <laughs> and I didn't say no. I said, can I come? Right, isn't that what you want? You want your parents on the trip, Zane, don't you? Like, come on! You want me going through Universal Studios with you and hanging out with your friends? No, I get it. You see, all of this can be summed up. If you want to be a parent of influence for a lifetime, everything we just talked about, my friend Jim Burns sums up in one sentence, most brilliant sentence for parents doing life with their adult children I've ever heard, and it sums it all up, and it's simply this. Keep the welcome mat out and your mouth shut if you want influence. Keep an open door and your mouth shut. And listen, I don't have a problem keeping my mouth shut. No, touch. Don't work ahead of what I'm about to share. I honestly, I feel like I'll be able to keep my mouth shut. My, My problem is my face. I'm not great at the poker face. And I've watched it in this church, right? People, I've watched grandma with her daughter-in-law and baby being fed and grandma fed her children a certain way at a certain speed and then the, the ch- grandchild being fed is shoveled in. I, I, nothing's being said but the face of shock. My son's saying he's going to load up in the car with his friends after his senior year and go someplace. I'm like, hmm, really? Wow. Keep the welcome mat out your mouth shut, and a poker face (laughs) to be the parent of influence. And here's why all of this is so important. This all here is secondary. This all here is light. This all is influence from my parents, but it's no big deal. You know what is a very big deal? VBD, very big deal. I want for the remainder of my time under the sun, as I'm taking my trips around the sun, I want the remainder of my time to be an influence in the life of my kids to continue to show them how to love the Lord, how to know the Lord, how to spend time with the Lord, how to prioritize not just a love for Jesus, but a love for the local church. And I wanted to see that. We share these passages. If you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew 10, we'll be there in in just a moment. But share some familiar passages if you've been at Woodland Hills for any length of time. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Verse 6 is to you, mom and dad, and to you, grandma and grandpa. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts because what is on your heart will find its way onto the hearts of your children. And I don't want anything about my relationship with my kids to be so controlling that they want to spend no time around me that they don't want to be with me on the holidays. They don't want to visit because every time they're with me, I'm in preaching mode, telling them how to live their lives. I want to make sure I let the control go so I can be a parent of influence. And I'm looking around the room right now at folks I've done life with for 20 years who are incredible parents of influence. And you have stayed the course. Next week, we're going to talk about how to do that in the second half of life. We're going to talk a very strong message to grandparents, but it's also a strong message to widows and widowers as you pursue relationships in the last quarter of life, how to do that well 
so you can maintain influence in the life of your kids. It's these truths that are be upon your hearts and watch. Here's influence. Verse 7 is all about influence. Impress them on your children. How do you impress a love for the Lord on the hearts of your children? Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. That's the influence I want to continue to have. In 2 Timothy Paul takes Deuteronomy 6, and it just lays it out perfectly for us as he shares with Timothy about how influence led him to Jesus from not just one generation, but from two. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Grandma and grandpa, I'm becoming more and more convinced of this. I think grandparenting could possibly be your greatest season of influence in your life. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. Come back next week as we talk and dive into that deeper. But not just your grandma, but also in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. You, you, you guys have been equipped. You've been tooled. Your parents pouring a love for Jesus into you. Look at what Paul tells Timothy just a couple chapters later. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. One of the best ways you can honor your parents, and I love texting this to my kids your father and mother rejoice. Your father and mother rejoice. Man, live a life honoring your parents, causing them to rejoice because you're continuing in what you have learned and have gathered in your home and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When you get to Matthew 10, it's probably some of the strongest words Jesus ever shares. And he definitely is talking to in-laws, extended family, immediate family. The passage, though, is all about us. When you choose to follow Jesus, it is undivided allegiance to Christ. And guess what? Some of you have experienced this. When you made a decision to follow Christ, certain family members stopped spending time with you. Certain family members didn't want any more time with you because they didn't want any more preaching from you. They didn't want to hear from you. And so they distanced themselves from you. And look at what Jesus says. Strong, strong words from Jesus. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. You're like, that is not a good Christmas message right there. (laughs) He's the prince of peace. But watch what he's saying. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And if you choose to follow me, your relationships will be affected. And this kind of parallels along with, hey, in this world, yes, you will have trouble. In this world, a stand for me is going to cause people to hate you. But don't worry, they hated me first. And that's not a challenge to Christians to go out and be jerks so people hate us. No, it's just when you give your life to Jesus and live in undivided allegiance to Jesus, people will hate you. Relationships will end because of it. He says, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Is Jesus telling us here, dishonor your parents? No. He's not going against the commandments. He's not telling you dishonor mom, dad, mother-in-law, father-in-law. He's saying, but this happens when you choose to follow me. And he says, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's why mom and dad, our job is to make sure we don't attach our kids to ourselves for life. Each and every day, from the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep at night, as we sit at home and as we walk along the way, we are pointing our children to the true and only source of life. We're letting them know who the true and only source is. And that that influence can be maintained long after your children leave home. 
Why is, why is all of this so important? We talk about this text often in, the, in context of that, yes, your relationships will be affected, but now affected. And now as a soon-to-be father-in-law, as my children are leaving home, this is, this is what I take away from Matthew 10 and this whole message summed up into this one single statement. I never want my relationship with my children to get in the way of their relationship with Jesus. Never. That's why I want to help them leave home well. It's why I want boundaries to be clear and I want to honor those boundaries. I want the welcome mat out, my mouth shut, my face doing what it should, freaking out on the inside, not on the outside. But I want a relation, and I don't want anything about my life and my relationship with my kids to stand in the way of their relationship with Jesus. And that's why at this church, we are all about equipping parents and grandparents as the primary influence to lead their children and grandchildren to Christ. And I, as, as we prepare next week's message, there's going to come a lot of warning. We've had a lot of people in our church, widows and widowers, taken advantage of by online scams and people that they thought they were dating that didn't even exist and lost life savings. I mean, it's been bad. We really want to help as a church family, the generations that have gone before us and to make sure, as Greg Bettis loves to say, even when you retire, don't make it a retiring, make it a refiring. Like you're ready to go. You're getting in in that final quarter of your life, in the last season of your life, in the years that you have remaining, that you are using those years to be a person of tremendous influence in the life of your children and grandchildren as you continue to tell them about the Lord and a love for the Lord. And that's why getting these relationships so right is so important. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the strained mother-in-law, father-in-law relationship with a daughter or son, daughter-in-law, son-in-law right now that some conversations can be had that just bring uh, joy to both, that boundaries can be established so marriages can thrive, that there are some young people in here that have just kind of moved away from their parents, that maybe this is a moment that they can move back to a position of honoring their mother and father, even if that isn't received and even if it isn't welcomed, even if boundaries are not honored coming from the other way. We, we want to be ch- a church that is helpful, encouraging, practical in all of our relationships. And so this message goes out as we follow you, that we would have relationships with our adult children and that adult children would have relationships with their parents and in-laws that, that honor you and bring joy to you. And nothing we do would stand in the way of their relationship with you. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. We pray all of this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen. Love you, Will and Hills. Hope you have a wonderful day. And all those outside and across campus, we'll see you next Sunday.